0: Your guest today, Reese McGuire, and I gotta say I'm obviously a huge fan because I know him, but also because he's a catcher.
1: You know, I had two choices. I could either be bummed about it or I could do something about it, and um, I chose to do something about it.
0: Step the you-know-what up, and the front office has to make some decisions.
2: Welcome to a season-ending edition of Digging In with JPR and Sebia. We've reached the end of the road of a rather grim toronto blue jay season but one that did have its highlight as well and an mlb season that has received a little bit of scrutiny for the way home runs have surged and this way the style of the game is changing but you know the the playoffs are coming october baseball is going to be exciting no matter what and you've got some really really great teams whether there's been issues with tanking or teams not being competitive and too few teams being too good That might be a problem during the regular season, but we're going to, in October, you're going to want to see the Yankees face the Astros. You're going to want to see the Dodgers face whoever survives out of the American League. Not that it's a guarantee they'll make it through, but the super teams, I understand the complaint during the regular season. In October, we're going to see something really special. And our guest today is Reese McGuire, a guy who has come up and been absolutely outstanding for the Blue Jays and made a little bit of noise in terms of the future catcher conversation because I think it was a given prior to this year that Danny Jansen is going to kind of be the guy to lock it down for a long time, and he's developed pretty well on the defensive side, especially. But Reese McGuire is making some noise.
0: Yeah, and the one thing about it is that Reese McGuire is already the def- you know considered an unbelievable defender. That's always been something you know that they spoke highly about is his defense. And then you know offensively, what was he going to do? And he's come up and he's done it. I mean, I don't think there's even a question. You look at his numbers. I mean, he has he has definitely come up and been everything that you can you know ask for and more. He's even hitting lefties. Service. I think he's in like two thirty eight versus lefties, which is I mean still pretty good when you're hitting the way uh, against righties that like he does. He, through the minor leagues, he crushed righties this year almost to three thirty. In the big leagues, he's at three thirty three against righties. So like, because I was trying to dig into his numbers, like what's the biggest difference? That's why it's cool to even ask guys. Is the the kind of there's got to be something that uh, you know turned it around for him or something that clicked because his numbers are really, really good. And then to the beginning of the show, talking about the playoffs is uh, it's almost, dare I say, the clash of the Titans. I mean, I feel like that's how this is coming down to. And you hope, listen, the there's two sides of me, right? The the fantasy story, you want that, that like underdog to come in in the playoffs and take out one of the big teams and that would be a cool story if they ran the gauntlet but it would suck if they did that and then they lost and didn't go to the World Series and then win it I kind of am like holy smokes dude you look at these teams you may have a Braves Dodgers versus Yankees Houston and you're talking about sit on sit on the couch and watch or wherever you're watching it and watch these games and watch them all nine innings because it's going to be like AA a plus baseball.
2: Yeah, I think I'm more excited about these playoffs than I've been in a couple of years. And again, it's because you have these amazing teams. You know, even the Twins, a team we haven't mentioned yet, that's a really really good team. That's an exciting team to watch as well. You mentioned the Braves. You know, we talked about the Brewers as an underdog story before. They're going to be fun to watch. Like, there's no one in these playoffs where I'm going to look at them and be like, eh, I'm going to tune out. I mean, maybe the Cardinals. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of – you know what they've got there but they've got good players they've got an amazing program they always put out I mean they won the team. central if they, they won beat the some- central I mean I'm not yeah. one of yet if they beat someone it w- it wouldn't shock me if they beat somebody I'm just saying like that's the how good these playoffs are is that I can kind of like look down on a team like the Cardinals and be like eh, don't want to watch but like most years that would be one of the more compelling teams they had an amazing run in the second half too but before we get uh, too far into that and also before we get to Reese I wanted to touch base with you on something that happened the other night, which is the Mike Miner pursuit of 200 strikeouts. And it was one of the most aggressive pursuits of an individual statistic I've ever seen. And I know that we do this in baseball sometimes. Numbers matter in baseball. You know, guys are going to get more at-bats maybe if they're in some home run chase, like they'll lead off or something like that. Like, this is not unprecedented to have people do things like this. However, this one was... Kind of ridiculous. So Mike Miner is nine strikeouts away from 200. He starts pitching, and they leave him in to the ninth inning, which almost never happens in to, in baseball today. And he's at approximately 120 pitches when he comes out for the ninth inning. And then the most egregious thing that happened was with one out in the ninth, he had a hitter one-one count. The guy pops it up in foul territory, the easiest catch you could possibly imagine. Like anyone who's listening at home could make this catch from first base catcher. Hell most people could run in from second and make this catch no problem. They let it drop. You could have you could have you could have caught it probably. Oh me? Like I'm worse than everyone at home? That's brutal.
0: <laughs> anyway,
2: so so uh they let that drop and then he gets the strikeout and there's a huge smile on his face. And the Red Sox didn't really like it after the game core was kinda of like um, blah blah blah. They didn't do it the right way. So where are you going to come down on this, JP? Because I think there's two ways to look at it. One, it's like a bunch of guys on a team are pulling for one guy and that guy has something he's excited about and the team's not playing for anything. And it's kind of like a cool thing for everyone to share in. And then the other thing is like, this is a perversion of baseball. Like you're twisting yourself so hard to try and make this thing happen on paper. What's the difference between 199 strikeouts and 200 strikeouts really? And why are we doing it?
0: Well, honestly, Nick, you know, it's the purest on the baseball side would say, yeah, it's not cool, earn it, let it happen. But the other side of it, to me, which I think is the cool part, like if you, if you kind of start to strip the layers, one, if you know Mikey Miner's career, he was a super prospect. Then he went to the Royals and he was like kind of in the bullpen, not doing so great. Then the the Texas Rangers sign him to this deal, which everyone was kind of like, okay, what the the hell deal was that? And they make him a starter again, and then he's he's arguably, I mean, he's not arguably, he's been one of the best starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. And so you look at all that stuff and you see a team who is pulling for a guy to be able to reach a milestone. And to me, I tip my hat because it tells you, like, think about it. If he's an asshole, like they're probably not, really pushing for it as much right like if you think about it his team ain't ain't pushing for him as much if he's not a dude a good dude um and so to me you look at that and that's what fires me up that's the one thing for me that I'm like man he has to be so well respected that that can happen now the Boston Red Sox they, the the Rangers I read said that they were coming out and swinging at the first pitch to try to get him so he couldn't do it so I mean if if that's the case then if you're saying. Like, hey, that's not the right way. Well, then, is everybody going to come out and swing at the first pitch if it's if it's not this this scenario? So, I, I just I like it because I I think it shows that there's still that team camaraderie even when you're not winning and you've lost and the guys respect them in a certain way. And he got it and he walked off the mound and it was a cool moment for the Texas Rangers and for Mikey Miner.
2: Yeah, I think I'm generally with you there. If this were a game where one side of the equation you know, was in a meaningful race. And we saw that a little bit with Mark Burley and the Blue Jays back in the day when they are trying to get him the 200 innings, but the games were super consequential to their uh, playoff seeding. That, for me, was a little bit iffy. And, I like, I have all the respect in the world for Mark Burley, and he was a pleasure to watch and a great dude. But that, at the time, was one where I was like, maybe it's okay if Mark Burley doesn't, throw 200 innings this year as many as as great as that would be whereas this is one where the guy's totally out of it the only thing I would say against this is Mike Miner's a guy with a lot of injuries in his past and having him go out and throw like 120 plus pitches is something he's really not going to be used and I know there's the whole like uh you know guys are soft nowadays we used to throw like that and it's not a problem But that gave me a little bit of pause seeing him rack up like a really big pitch count to try and do this.
0: Listen, I know Mike Miner, so I'm a little partial to this. He lives in Knoxville, Tennessee, where I went to University of Tennessee and I go in the offseason at times. I watch this guy work out in the weight room. Nick, I guarantee you that 125 is not something for him to be worried about as far as this dude is... As strong and as prepared as anybody I've ever seen get, and like he is he he is a special human being when it comes to his work ethic, like he doesn't like trainers because he he wants to push even more than what a trainer would push, and so like I understand the that that and the possibility of injury and all that different stuff it's the last it's the last game that he's throwing, so it's not like he has to go back out there and like kind of you know, throw his bullpen and get ready because we have seen a lot of guys that throw no hitters that go like 130 pitches and then all of a sudden they're they done. So I, I think you're not worried about it. I don't know. I, I just know I, I've seen him work out. I know he's in shape for it. And I think all those things go into – and listen, I'll tell you one thing. If you don't think that this makes the players love Woody even more, the manager, you're crazy because – The Texas Rangers are going into a new stadium next year. They've played better than they were expected to play. They're going to spend money because they're having a new stadium next year and they want a winning team. Woody continues to win over his team and his players, and that's another just show of Chris Woodard doing what he does. And so that's why, to me, it's the purest blah, blah, blah. Listen, you can't sit on the fence like everybody. You know, you have – People are like, oh, let him play, but don't let him drop the ball because it's not fair if he gets 200 strikeouts, but but let him play, though. Like, let him throw the bat into the freaking stands and after a home run because it's entertainment. Like, all right, so what do you want? Like, you can never – I feel like in the game right now, you can never make anybody happy. So, I thought it was all right to see. I, that's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, I don't i don't think I'm generally against it. Again, the, the pitch count gives me some pause, but uh... – you know, it, it worked out. It's good PR for Woodward, as he said. It shows that he's behind his guys. And you know what? The majority of teams in baseball don't really have something to play for right now. So it is kind of cool to find these tiny little storylines on the, on the outskirts of the game because it gives it gives life. It gives life to some of these last baseball games down the stretch. And you know, for example, the Blue Jays with the Rays and their wild card situation, like. It it adds something to it. So let's let's get to Reese uh, right now because he's a guy who is going to have a, something to say about the Blue Jays' future at his position and one of the good stories on this team at the end of the season.
0: Reese, talk about this year because I think it's a pretty cool and special year. You know, we talked a little bit before the season started of of, you know, you never know how it starts but how it finishes. And the way it's finished, I mean – it's got to be a way different feeling for you mentally going to the yard as opposed to it was even into spring training. Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Um, I was pumped up for spring training this year. Uh, had a good off season. Uh, did my training back home up in Bellevue again and, and went into spring training kind of in the best shape of my life. And, uh, that last season kind of having that September call up was one of the coolest things and kind of just sparked my, energy and excitement again and uh so I think that's kind of what credit took me into the spring training this year in the best shape of my life and everything like that and then um you know it felt like I had a had a chance to make the team wasn't wasn't 100% sure if there was an opportunity to do it but um once I once I got option to AAA uh from there it was kind of like t- you know I had two choices I could either be bummed about it or I could do something about it and um, I chose to do something about it and just kind of worked hard and continued my routines and um just just always always stayed ready uh that's the one thing about triple a you never know what's going to happen up in the big leagues um might not even be an injury or a or a promotion it might just be like a game goes 17 innings long and they need a guy so you just always got to be ready in triple a and then um with the way it worked out this year um I wouldn't change changed I wouldn't change the thing cuz I feel like I I grew a lot uh, as a player and and learned a ton through this experience this year.
0: When you say you grew a lot as a player, I mean I look at your numbers you you crush right-handed. Look, first off, just to even say defensively, everybody knows that you're a badass and that's, you know, you can do you throw guys off from your knees, you receive well, all the different things and then offensively coming in, you've been able to hit But this year, I think you're finally – people are actually seeing exactly what you're capable of, and that's why you were picked the way you were picked in the draft. But were there any adjustments that you made throughout the season offensively or even in the big leagues that – because, I mean, even – if you look at your numbers, to me, you go, hey, the last 15 games, he's crushing the ball, but also you're crushing the ball the last 30 games. So, like, you're just really, really consistent. What has been the biggest difference?
1: Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure. Cause I feel like my approach and I feel like everything in the box is, is pretty similar. Um, I just think it's the environment. I think it's being in the stadium that you dream about. I think it's being at the level you dream about. And for me, it's just like that, that it's still exciting for me. And I'm still, um, I'm, I'm not trying to prove myself, but I am trying to impress. Still, I am trying to kind of earn a role, um, You know, and and I'm really trying to finish the season strong. here, trying to put myself in a good position going into spring training next year, knowing that there is going to be an opportunity to to make a club. And um, so for me, I think just staying with my routine in the box, uh, staying aggressive and, um, you know, just getting some pitches to hit. And that's the thing with baseball. Sometimes you go through uh, some weeks or whatnot where you're fouling off the pitch that you should be driving in the gap, and then you're putting yourself in a you know, deeper count and and uh, now you're kind of struggling, or you are kind of barreling up that ball that you should have hit in the gap, and you're not fouling it off. So um, it's been going good lately for me, and um, I feel confident as ever right now.
2: Reese, we had Jacob Wags back on the show a couple episodes ago, and he was in a similar situation to you, where his numbers in the minor leagues were sort of fine, and then he came to the big leagues and had a huge improvement. And he talked to us about how the big mental weight lifted off of him, where he felt like he wasn't needing to prove himself as much anymore because he was already there. Is that something that you experienced? And is that what do you think best accounts for how well you've done in the major leagues compared to in Triple A? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think anyone would say uh, if you get off to a good start, you're you're going to be in a better place mentally, um, no doubt. I think that that credits to the confidence confidence boost where you do see as a player, like, man, I can succeed up here too. And, you know, it is just the same, it is the same baseball game, same nine innings, 27 outs. Like everything's the same. It's just the, uh, the way you look at it. You know, if you look at it from a different perspective of like, it's a whole different ball game and things like that, you might add stresses or add things that you don't need. Um, I feel like we've always dreamed as a kid. Uh, I, I was telling someone the other day, I was like, when you're in the backyard and you got the whoop ball bat in your hand and you're kind of dreaming of those moments where your team's down one and you're tossing the ball up and no one's out there, but you and you're hitting it and you're running around the bases. Like, I just think that that child mentality where you're just, you know, nothing in the world is wrong and, you know, you're confident as ever and you toss the ball up and you hit it. Like, I feel like when you get to this level up here, it's the same thing. Like you just got to continue to be that kid that that loves this game of baseball and enjoy it and know that it's not not an easy game. But when it's when it's coming to you um, nicely over a week or over a month or whatnot, like you just got to enjoy those moments because, um, you know, baseball is a hard game. But uh, this is what we this is what we've dreamed of.
2: You mentioned that next year kind of coming in and fighting for a role and there are other catchers on this club. Obviously, another good young catcher and Danny Jansen, Luke Maley's around. You never know who they're going to. Bring in. How do you? How does your relationship with those other catchers in the organization? Because I know you've been around Danny, for example, a lot. How are you able to compete with them in a sense on one hand, but then also, you know, cooperate with them because they have useful information for you, and you have useful information for them, and you have personal relations with them off the field.
1: Yeah, no, uh, we definitely get we get that question all the time. Um, And for us, like we've always just said, like uh, it's easier to to go about it when, when the other guy's a good person as well. And, and Danny and both Melee are both good people and good teammates. Um, we always communicate uh, with catching. If you catch a certain guy, um, you, you know, it might might roll around where the next time you don't catch him again, and all of a sudden two or three weeks into the season or whatnot, you haven't caught a certain starter. So you always got to communicate, and we do a really good job of that. Um, and then as far as, like, the competition goes, uh, there's really nothing, like – there's nothing like that. Um, we don't, we don't, we're, we're always rooting for each other. We, we've talked about it before. We we want to make it a tough decision for the organization, you know, for them to be like, man, we got three good catchers here. Like, who are we going to put in the starting lineup? Who are we going to put as the, the backup today? You know, we wanted to make a tough decision because that means we're all succeeding. And, and ultimately, we do know that there's 29 other teams, so.
0: Reese, listen, I I, I know very much, and you know this, and and anyone who's played baseball, the triple-A clubhouse to the big league clubhouse, Like there's things that you can do in the minor leagues that you can't get away in the big leagues. Like It just is what it is. And it's almost sometimes more fun in the minor leagues because of that stuff. But you've come up with a lot of these guys as far as playing with them in double-A, playing with them in triple-A. Does now, because I watch the games, and I watch how much fun you guys are having in the dugout, and I watch how much fun it is just inside the dugout when guys hit home runs and just messing around, now does it feel like this is a team where it's an actual team as opposed to kind of people, oh, what's going to happen, this, that. Now everybody's kind of up there, and it's like, all right, dude, let's come to the yard. We know we got what we got. Now it's time to to play.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think uh, everyone's probably past that first little butterflies of their debut and, and whatnot, and everyone is kind of starting to settle in. Like, you, like you're saying, we're, we're starting to have a little bit more fun. We're starting to be a little bit more loose. Um, And I think ultimately that's hopefully what the organization goal was with uh, getting guys up here and getting experience this year, Um, especially guys like Bo and Kevin and and Vlad and whatnot. Like the team, um, you know, we've lost near 100 games, but there's a ton of positives since the All-Star break and especially this last month and a half. And, um, yeah, you can definitely tell in the clubhouse, the guys are starting to be more comfortable, be more – you know, settle themselves more in and, and uh, we've kind of just kept nudging each other and reminding each other, like, Hey, like we got something special here coming and, and, you know, let's, let's finish this season strong and, um and let's take this momentum into the off season and then have that excitement and whatnot coming into spring training next year.
2: Reese, something we've been talking about with guys on the podcast pretty consistently lately is football because football season has kicked off. It seems like it's a big, uh, topic in the clubhouse and i think i'm presuming that you're a seattle seahawks fan growing up in seattle yes so i'm a big seahawks fan since like matt hasselbeck era max strong best seahawk of all time uh i was hoping that you could make me feel a little bit better about the seahawks today because my conference confidence is wavering after a tough loss to the saints where are you with the seahawks what's your optimism level this season
1: (laughs) uh that's a good question um I feel like uh, you can never doubt Russell Wilson. I think he's he's just the leader, and he's he's obviously got the experience of being in a Super Bowl and, and winning one. And um, I think he's he's kind of in a unique situation where he's got some some rookies up there that are getting more time than than usual for like a Seahawks uh, typical team. Um, but you can never doubt him at home. I know that they, that they lost to New Orleans just recently, and that was without Drew Brees. But um, I'm always I'm always excited when the 12s come on, and you know the fan base is is pretty extreme. So, uh, if anything, I think that loss. I think sometimes the loss early in the season is sometimes beneficial for a club, and we'll see. We'll see with uh, the Seahawks if that's if that's the case. I think they they get rolling if you know if they uh, make a, little, a couple changes
2: how big a star do you think you need to be to be able to raise the 12th flag? Like how many MLB all-star games do you need to make before you're going to get the call for that?
1: Um, That's another good question. I would say say either make the all-star game or make it into the postseason and uh, do something cool in the postseason with Toronto. And and why not win a World Series? That would for sure be a reason to raise the flag up there.
0: (laughs) All right, well – Got a few rapid fire that I would like to ask. Before Reese McGuire goes and plays, what's in the tunes? What are you listening to?
1: Uh, lately, I've just been listening to whoever's in the clubhouse. So Clay Buckholtz is on the, uh, he's on the iPad. So whatever he's been playing lately. All
0: right. Is there a food that you like? That your go-to food that before a game maybe?
1: Uh, yeah. I don't eat too much before the game. So just going to the uh, kitchen area, and there's usually like Italian kind of sandwiches, deli meat and stuff.
0: Is there an off-season sport that you're looking forward to doing?
1: Uh, I I don't golf a ton, but my uncle and my dad and brother they all they all like to get out on the on the links. So we're gonna try to make make do with the last little good weather back home.
0: All right. If there's a cheat meal, because I know obviously that everyone's got nutritionists now in the big leagues, but if if there's a fat kid moment for Reese, like what would be your go-to fat kid moment?
1: Um. It would probably just be a ton of candy or dessert. Uh, probably a bowl of ice cream and then put a bunch of candy in it.
2: <laughs> it's a good move. Before we let you go, I think one thing that not all uh, Blue Jays fans realize about you is you come from a baseball family. Both your brothers played baseball high level, and Shane is playing baseball uh, right now in college. I'm just wondering what that looked like when you were kids. Were you, did you have a catcher, pitcher, outfielder situation? Uh, and how much did your brothers affect kind of your MLB journey?
1: Yeah, I've always said uh, I would I would definitely not be in this position today without family and without my parents' sacrifices and, and my older brother pushing me and us being each other's competition over the years growing up. And, um, yeah, I mean, my my dad and, and mom, they, they sacrificed a ton, and financially as well. Like, they could have been out doing a bunch of things that they wanted to do, but they were working overtime and stuff and ended up uh, – being able to have the opportunity to build like a indoor batting cage out in our backyard and so when we were 9 10 and 11 going through little league we were kind of probably one of the few little league teams that actually got to practice up in washington when it was raining so much because we would just have the team come over periodically over 30 minutes you know each little group session would have like a time in the cage and um i just think over the years like we were able to, to get a ton done in there whether it was hitting or pitching off the mound and um i think just a lot of the basics of the game hitting the ball off the tee as a kid and learning fundamentals um but then of course my brother playing alongside me all through it all and whatnot um i definitely wouldn't be here without them today so yeah, everything is is for family
0: well continue to do it dude uh obviously you've had an entire career of being an amazing baseball player, and now you're doing it in the big leagues, which is fun to watch. We have something in common that, that Dick Case Award with the USA team. So you're obviously that you crushed it in, in Seoul, I guess, uh, and you had pretty good numbers in the USA team. So uh, continue your stuff in the big leagues, dude. You sound great, and I'm fired up for you. Thanks for coming on. And I know you got to get to the yard, so we're not messing up your routine. See ya.
1: All right, JP. Thank you.
0: I
2: wish that he could have uh, made me feel better about the Seahawks. It was like Russell Wilson's not enough. Uh, you know, like you can have a great quarterback. It's a 52-man team, and I'm i just going to be struggling through my Sundays. But that, I suppose, is uh, neither here nor there. I wanted to finish up our season and the Blue Jays season with just a very basic activity about the Blue Jays. I don't know. People have different names for it, but we call it a rose and thorn, the best part and the worst part of the season. I'll open the floor to you first, JP. What is your rose and your thorn of the 2019 Blue Jays?
0: My rose is going to be the youth movement. Um, and more the youth movement, is it is it too early? To, I'm a Miami boy, right? So I grew up, or not grew up, I watched the big three. Are you familiar with the big three, Nick? Yeah, I'm familiar with the big three. So is it too early to call Biggio, Vladdy, and Bo the big three? Is it too early? Because I listen. I think or, we
2: might be calling them that in the 2020s. I okay. would say it's a half step too early now. Okay,
0: but okay, so then I'm I'm foreshadowing here, a little foreshadow action. Um uh, I, I just I I'm I'm fired up to watch these young guys, we just had one as a guest, Reese McGuire. He's another young player. Danny, the other catcher. Rowdy, as a rookie, who wasn't in the big leagues the entire year, don't let that fool you. He hasn't even been in the big leagues. He's hit over 20 home runs as a rookie. And I know that you think that it's not as big of a deal. It's still a big deal to hit 20 home runs, especially when you're not playing every day the way he has been. So I think that's th- – there's a lot of stuff that happened. Guriel all of a sudden becoming this – Absolute remember we had a conversation back then about do you think Guriel's an everyday guy? And and he continues to put up these crazy numbers. So I, I look at it as the for me the Rose is the youth movement of this team and what people can get excited for to watch for a while because they're all under control. Do I do my Thorn or are you doing your Rose and then I do my I'll thorn?
2: do I'll do my Rose. I'm gonna be I guess I'll be slightly more specific. I'll say that my roses, the guys that they really were counting on to be good, to be impact players, did not bust. They did not fall on their face. So I don't think Vladdy's rookie season is going to go down as being super, super good or what we expected, but the expectations were, expectations were so high. Yeah, I mean, what for a 20 year old rookie, it's fine. No, but like he didn't fall on his face, he didn't get sent back to the minors. He had some really good moments. Bichette, obviously, there's virtually nothing that kid did wrong. Maybe a couple too many errors, but like that's real nitpicking. And then Nate Pearson. I think the big three probably is Vladdy, Bo, and Nate Pearson. Even though we haven't seen Nate Pearson at the big leagues yet, he came back from his injury and he ascended a couple levels and looked totally dominant and looked like a future top of the rotation guy, which this team desperately needs going forward. So to me I think those are the three players that they needed to not fail and none of them failed even if you consider what Vladdy did a slight disappointment so that's always good news because sometimes you have the highest expectations in the world for a player and they just show up and they fall flat on their face and I don't want to go after you know a friend of the show here but a classic example in Blue Jays history recently was Travis Snyder like there's all the expectations in the world on Travis Snyder to be this big impact player and he wasn't able to be that. And although I guess Vardy hasn't been able to be a huge impact player yet, I think that what we've seen this year should make you confident that he can be. And so, yeah, no busts. That's my rose for 2019.
0: All right, my thorn is step the you know what up, and the front office has to make some decisions. That my thorn is the pitching staff. Right? You look at it. There's there's. Buck Holtz has been great to help the young guys. You know, you got rid of Strowman, You got rid of Sanchez. Trent Thornton has been better than expected. But you can't have those position players without pitchers to help them. Because if not, what they're going to do is they're going to get their shit pushed in for the next however many years if you don't have the guys on the mound. And I don't think anybody – I don't think that that's any kind of just – it's not like a surprise, right? I think that's—I don't know where your thorn is yet, but to me, it goes—you got a great closer in Ken Giles. You weren't able to trade him, so now you have him there. So, you—what do you do? Do you keep him or you trade him in the off season? The other thing, your bullpen—what do you ha- tell me? what's – you got ready to be a genie? Like, what do you—what do you got in that bullpen? So, what are you gonna do this off season to be able to get that bullpen going? And who are you gonna run out there? Every five days. Like, if I look at it, you need a healthy Barucky. Barucki's a guy who, uh, if he's healthy, he's he's a proven starter, I think. Trent Thornton, I think that it's crazy. He's, sometimes he's unhittable. Sometimes they, they crush him. But he has been really, really good for a guy who wasn't expected to be a part of this. And he's been there the entire year. He posts every day. So, like, they have guys. You obviously have Pearson coming up. Now, these guys that are auditioning for this, TJ you know, different guys like that, is K a guy, but you can't continue because after a while, you want these young guys, I mean, they're young, you want to use them at their prime, these position players. If they're not sure about these starting pitchers, stack them in AAA, have some options, but spend money on starting pitching. Spend money on starting pitching.
2: Yeah, I mine's going to be somewhat in that vein. My uh, thorn is a kind of lack of pleasant surprises, if you will. I think that in a rebuild, often what happens is a lot of guys start because there's a lot of opportunity, and then a couple of guys really jump off the page who you didn't think and surprise – like you mentioned Trent Thornton. I think Trent Thornton was a pleasant surprise this year. He held his own. He looks like a guy who could be in a rotation – or if failing that, a guy who could be an impact reliever, maybe in multi-inning stints. So that's important, but you would have wanted, you know, one of the outfielders to really jump, like a Teosca Hernandez or Derek Fisher or, you know, Anthony Alford to kind of explode a AAA and come through. Like, And then I think Biggio is probably the best quote-unquote pleasant surprise because he really was a bit of a one-hit wonder in the minors in A last year, and then he showed that there was more to it than that. But really you gave a lot of guys opportunities. And then the pitching side, like talk about the bullpen, for instance. Like there's not a lot of guys you can pencil into that bullpen. Wouldn't it have been nice if someone like, I don't know, Jordan Romano, and I'm not burying these guys because maybe they'll do it next year, but like wouldn't have been nice if like a Jordan Romano or like, I don't know, random, like a Jason Adam or someone had just kind of exploded off the page out of nowhere. And it didn't seem like the Blue Jays had a lot of those stories. So it's never a disaster when someone doesn't break out but it is a disappointment i think that relatively few guys were positive surprises and you want to see that in a rebuilding year
0: yeah and listen i mean when you break it down was it a successful season i mean everybody knew going into it there was going to be a lot of losses i see it as as, as a success because of the way it finished with the young position players i also would say that um a a over excitement because of this year for guys I put Guriel in that list that you just named because I do think that you know Trent was great some of these guys uh obviously Bo I think Guriel was a pleasant surprise because not a lot of people man I mean let's just be honest not a lot of people had him being that kind of production player um listen Gritchuk hit over 30 I think that I know you're not the biggest Gritchuk fan at times but I do think that hitting 30 and playing premium defense is a really plus big plus and it's just a it's kind of a tough one right because you don't want to be like man we got we lost almost 100 games but wow that was awesome because it you're still competitive right and you still like no that's not that's not we go off of off of numbers and wins and that's how you value success at times but I think that there's there's reason to be excited Nick I think the biggest thing though is the front office has a chance to make moves in the offseason. And I think if they make good moves, then optimism towards the Blue Jays spikes and people get excited again. If they don't make moves and they do the same like, well, you know, it's part of the plan, I think then people are like, we suck again.
2: Yeah, I th- there's definitely an opportunity for this front office to capture some of the enthusiasm that – you know especially Bo and stuff brought in. They're building blocks here, no doubt, but there is a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do on this roster. They're not one or two pieces away from suddenly being up there with the Yankees. They're just not. There's too many holes here. I that doesn't mean they shouldn't go and get people. Like I think they absolutely should start spending money this offseason, maybe especially the offseason after it. However, if you're a Blue Jays fan, Mark Shapiro's already been managing expectations about how it's quote unquote, a not good free agent class and his kind of state of the union. He talked about that. So I would be surprised if the blue Jays made the kind of moves that I think you and I, and a lot of people would like to see them make this off season. I think it's going to be an off season of them talking about how excited they are about their young players. And then hoping that, a couple of things go right in 2020, and they maybe make that push in 2021. But I would be quite shocked to see them go after huge, huge names this off season.
0: Yeah, well, but then if that happens, here's the problem: is okay? Let's say let's say you get you wait for that next year's free agent class because it's a better class. Nick, how do you make money with with baseball
2: teams? Oh, you got to get well. I mean, it's all on TV deals now, but it's so. Weird with Rogers, it's kind of the snake eating its own tail on that one. So yeah the Blue Jays is complicated situation.
0: Yeah, but putting people in the seats, right? The reason that when they were going to the playoffs, their spending went up because they had a ton of. I mean, they were selling out, right? They, oh, had, yeah. a, they had and a and also the viewership
2: was way up too. Like so it's an,
0: so you all that stuff works together, right? You have to have people in the stadium and you have to have people watching, and so if you don't do anything. And there's nobody in the stands, and there's really not people watching because they're kind of like, oh, well, we suck anyways. Then that next free agent class, uh, okay, now all of a sudden you have money, but you're saying before you didn't have money because you need more people to come to the game. So that's my that's my thing is if you don't do it this year, then are you really getting ready for the next free agent class or are you just kind of biding t- biding, like biding time?
2: Yeah, you don't want to waste the prime of these players. You don't want to waste time. Like, for example... I put it to Mark Shapiro and his big city, of the Union thing. Like, wouldn't this be a great time to sign players on sort of one- and two-year deals, like older players, relievers, things like that, bolster team, while Vladdy and Bo don't cost anything. Like, people talk about in the NFL all the time, you've got the rookie quarterback window. When you have a quarterback who doesn't cost anything, because quarterbacks can cost you like $30 million when you're actually paying them, you need to capitalize. And I think there is something to that with the Blue Jays. I don't know if they need to... Sign certain like certain guys that are going to be seven year deals and whether that's going to be wise or not, but I do think they're spending opportunities here, and you're going to see, I mean so far, the Blue Jays front office has been kind of disappointing in terms of how much they're willing to spend, but there are opportunities there, and maybe this will be the year they don't disappoint. but I don't want to make any promises for them. So let's going to finish off this episode and this season with a would you rather? Again, this one is a little bit less messy, quote-unquote normal, as you'd say, JP. Would you rather have, and both of these items will not cost anything, would you rather have a personal driver at your beck and call, driving you in the car of your choice, I suppose? In my head, it's a Rolls-Royce, but it could be whatever you want. Uh, it could be a Toyota Camry if you want to be more incognito, and that, or a private jet that is there ready for you i mean it's not going to be where it's going to be i guess at miami and then wherever you take it you got to take it back like it's not going to fly places to meet you but
0: i mean is that this is, this is this is you save the easiest would you rather okay rest. i
2: think it's harder than you think because you're gonna say private jet right you want to say well private the
0: jet. reason why i'm i know i will say private jet and this is why i will say private jet i would be on a private jet. Because I would be able to travel the world, and you can go. I can't drive a have a, my driver drive me across the Atlantic Ocean. I can't have him drive me across, you know, to go to South America. Well, possibly. No, I mean, I'm sure there's. You can take you can take Central America and kind of put, but I. I just I want to be able to fly to everywhere and see everything, and that's something that I think as I've gotten older, I feel like I I want to go and just see and experience things. So for me, that would be able to allow me to attain that is being able to go. Hey, I want to go and fly to New York, and then from New York, I'm gonna go to Iceland, and from Iceland, I'm gonna continue on to Europe, and then go keep like I can do anything I want, and so that's why I would go. On a, and I and I don't care. I could if I didn't have a car, I would walk. I don't care. I can walk if as long as I get to that country, I can walk and, and make some hay and and uh, so that would be that would be my thing. Is I would one hundred percent want to have a, a private jet. So I I love traveling. It's a huge part of what
2: I set aside my free time to do every year. The nature of the question is really about: Do you want something that's going to make your life a little bit better every day? or something that's gonna make your life a lot better sometimes. And I think that that's a valid thing to examine because you know I've, I think it was imparted to me by my parents, like if you're gonna spend money on something, spend money on something like you're gonna use every day because it's gonna make you like a little bit happier every day. So I think having a driver who could just take you wherever and presumably the back seat of this car has got some features and all that jazz like that'll give you, put a smile on your face every single day. Whereas the, the private jet, like during baseball season, like I can't just leave and go to Greece for two months. So it's really, it's only gonna be available to me certain amount of the year. Uh, I do enjoy really walking. I do love walking everywhere, but
0: private, a private jet though, during the baseball season, if you want after the game, if you're like, you know what, F it, I want to have, a late night dinner in new york or if i want to oh i want to have breakfast in denver they got a great scramble fly to denver get the breakfast and fly back you don't have to you could still That's travel. such a
2: waste of time it's also like a horrific environmental thing to just like use your private jet to get breakfast in denver i, mean, I wouldn't be able to justify that wait I, now
0: wait now we're talking and now we're going into the environmental escape because because what cars are are this like uh They don't have a mission. They don't have have emissions either? Come on.
2: But I don't know. I think that I think that I probably would end up going with a jet realistically. Uh I've never ridden in a private jet before, so it's hard for me to I actually don't mind air people have so many complaints about commercial air travel. I really don't mind it. There's a good movie selection, you bring your whatever you bring your Switch, you bring a a book, it's kind of fine as far as I'm concerned. I've never done it. I probably would end up settling on that because it's a cool thing to have, Um, bring your friends and stuff. But I think that there's a decent argument to be made for something that you're going to embrace and enjoy every day, which would be the driver and the Rolls Royce. But I I think I'll ultimately agree with you but disagree that it's as easy a question as you think it is.
0: Well, I appreciate you agreeing to disagree with me, but... Let's be honest. It just is what it is, Nick. Uh, you're gonna have a plane. You're gonna have. You're gonna want to fly everywhere. You can go to different places. Oh, you want to go to Africa? Let's go. We can. We have the plane to do it. You want to go to Africa in your little car? Well, sorry, dude. We can only go. It's not we like you can go. If you
2: pick the car. You can never. Fly. We can. We can only go.
0: We can only go as far as kick fear and Luke lift. It. That's all we can go. All right, we're going to wrap it up here for season two. I appreciate you
2: guys listening and subscribing. Please, uh, we do it all for you. That